Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to today's Outsports Podcast. It is it's 420. It's a favorite day for a lot of people around the world. And in the U.S., especially now, where 420 is legal in, God, a couple dozen states now. We're almost close to a couple dozen for recreational. Uh, I'm sorry, for medical and recreational in about uh, maybe seven or eight states. So, Sid, you, uh, I don't think you're a so Are you I saying, you're, are you saying never, you're, you're smoking today, Jim? Is that what you're telling me? You know, I, this is going to sound like Bill Clinton in the 92 election, but I have never tried marijuana in my life. Uh, yeah. It was a smoking I, uh, thing for me. It was like I smoked a cigarette when I was 10 and thought I was going to die, and I said I'm never going to smoke anything again because of the smoking aspect. And But who knows, when I get old and decrepit and have all these aches and pains, I'll probably <laughs> seek some relief somewhere. Well, you know, I've been I've talked to a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, who has, um, you know, has some, some severe back pain and has for years, and his doctors finally said, listen, there's some things out now that medical marijuana can do that you really should start looking into it. And this is a guy who just, you know, has always uh, kept, uh, just not yet, gone even near any kind of drug, um, barely drinks. And, you know, he's starting to consider it because, I mean, if it can help medically, you know, why not? Here we are talking about medical marijuana. <laughs> I'd do it, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I mean, seriously, I, yeah. you know, if I have anything that I think would help on, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hesitate. So, uh well, NFL NFL players they're they're fighting for the right to do it, right? I mean, they, right now they cannot smoke marijuana under any circumstances. Correct, and 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 it's basically the idea is well, it's they're behind the curve of a lot of these states because if you're a resident of California, Nevada, Colorado, Washington, et cetera, it is legal to smoke recreationally. So if you're following the law in those states, the NFL is still saying you would get suspended for up to four games if you are, you know, if you pass a drug, if you pass a positive test. I don't know if it's the first or second offense, so it really does have that thing where they're they're running into that problem where it's legal in now a large number of really populous states, but it's illegal for them. And I've never understood why it's a performance enhancer. Everybody I've known who's taken it said it kind of mellows you out more than it makes you really aggressive and everything, so... Um, But I think the NFL is going to have to wrestle with this because it's going to be more and more legal, I think, as we go along because people are seeing it's really, you know, it doesn't have the detrimental effects they, you know, the scare people predicted years ago. But uh, I'm not sure what the other – Like there there are are medical purposes and there like there's some – I mean, some of these athletes deal with severe pain all their lives because of injuries they suffered in sports. So to to say you can't do this thing that could really – it could actually really help some of them. It's just really is behind the times is the best word for it, I guess. Well, that's the NFL, which is funny. They're going into Las Vegas with the Raiders, and they had opposed gambling for years, and now it's, oh, but a team in Vegas. And at the same time, the league is the one who pushes fantasy football, which is a form of gambling. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to have on a couple guests in a couple minutes to talk about Something we—it's a, a subject that everybody. Friendship and the, the importance of friends when coming out. It's two swimmers who wrote, I think, our first joint byline story, coming out story, a couple of days ago. Um, so we'll talk to them, and then after that, uh, 
before they get on the line. Have you seen the uh, Aaron Rodgers jockstrap tattoo that <laughs> that person had? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I mean I. I thought it, I, it just seems kind of silly, but what's even sillier is that like people are going berserk over it, like the Aaron Rodgers fans going like hating this person and the tattoo artist. Like people are insane. They're fanatic, right? That's the spots of the word fan come from. They are fanatic. Yeah, and I, I assume the person with the tattoo was was a gay man because the tattoo artist laced her first Instagram post with all these tags like gay jock, gay athlete, LGBT pride, and a lot of the comments were from people saying, you know, very homophobic things about the idea that would someone would want that tattoo. And I just thought I just thought it was amusing that she then does a second post where it's a it's a video where she has the cloth over the top of the tattoo and she's slowly revealing do you see the jock strap as a way to kind of piss people off even more. So um if you want to take a look at that, it's it's on Outsports if you want to see what this person thinks Aaron Rodgers looks like in a jockstrap. But we have one of our guests on. Who is who is this? This is Josh. It's Josh, and we're waiting for Axel. It's Josh Velasquez and uh, Axel Reed, um, two swimmers uh, now in college. Um, so, Josh, uh, tell us quickly, if we wait for Axel, you're studying – you're going to be, what, a neuroscientist or – um, yeah, I'm studying neuroscience and cognitive behavior, hoping to go to med school and be a trauma surgeon. Well, that's impressive. That's <laughs> a lot, a lot better than Sid and I can do. Uh, we just sit behind our de- behind our desks and bang away at the computer and piss people off. That's yeah, that's a lot more impre- <laughs> impressive than what we do. And now we've joined by Axel Reed. Axel, hello. Hi. How are you? Good. We're on. You have to speak up a little bit. We, it's a little bit faint hearing you, but we're on with uh, with Sid, Josh, Jim, and Axel. Um, sorry, these I two guys say were. One thing uh, first. I love. I, sure. I, I love Axel's name. If 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 I would have sworn that Axel Reed was was a, a WWE superstar wrestler, that is just the, that is just the perfect name for that. <laughs> I get I get a lot of different references from it. Am I the first I WWE imagine. wrestler? That is that is the first wrestling reference. I normally get um, Axel Rose, Axel Foley, the character from the middle. Well, how did you how did you get named Axel? Um, there was a little boy running through a restaurant a few days before I was born, um, just wearing uh, raincoat, rain boots, and nothing else. And his dad was screaming, "Axel, come back!" And my dad heard it and was like, "That's what we're naming our son." <laughs> well, wow. I guess you, uh, have you run through many malls with just a uh, raincoat on to honor I your progeny? Not yet. <laughs> well, we want to have both you guys on. I think it was the first. Maybe was this the first sort of bi- double byline coming out story we've had? Well, I don't know. We've had so many. I can't remember one, but uh, well, let's say it's the first one. But it was good. They they wrote us and said they wanted to write a story, but they wanted to write it together. They didn't want to have separate stories, which we thought was really cool. And it's been up on on the website a few days and got you guys a lot of attention. Um, so, Josh, uh, I, I, I joked with you the other day that your Instagram picture of you shirtless had more than 1,200 uh, likes, and now I see your, your shirted picture of you with this post has even topped that. So are you surprised? I know. I was actually really overwhelmed by how much attention I got on my Instagram, but it was super cool. 
And yeah, I mean, it and overall, what's been the response both you guys have gotten? What was that? What's the response you guys you guys have got heard from a lot of other swimmers or athletes or just people in general? Uh, it's been just so positive. I've had a lot of people already email me saying, like, thank you, I needed to hear that today. It's hard being out in, like, the um, south where it's not fully accepted, but seeing that you overcame it, like, gives us hope. And for me, that, like, made my day and made my life. Yeah, well, same on, on, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, you know, um, even people from, like, my middle school from my high school saying I had no idea, you know, I was in a similar situation. It's so nice to have, like, a familiar face that went through the same thing I did. So it's been really cool to reconnect with a lot of people as well, as well as just meet new people from it. One of the things that I thought was so great about the story is, and is the element you captured about coming out not really being the end of your worries. That coming out, at, it, 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 you know, just because you come out and you find acceptance among among your friends or your teammates, that you still have not quite come to accept yourself. And 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 it's something that uh, I've been wrestling to. Um, to, to advise people through, no, I hear I hear this over and over again that people think coming out is going to be this uh, panacea that everything is going to be great after it happens, uh, and and you guys are just really just brutally honest that it's just it is not this end of all your problems. Uh, I just want each, each of you to talk about that and kind of um, um, where you are today. Start with Axel. Why don't you go first? Oh, um, I mean, after I came out fairly early, or then. It's like a year or before Josh. Uh, I came out my freshman year of college, um, and I had a great response from all my friends, all my teammates. My family was super supportive. But even after then, you know, walking around campus or when I was with my current boyfriend, my past boyfriend or my current boyfriend now, um, you know, you still get looks from people sometimes. Um, people kind of ask questions or um, it's just, you know, you still are facing the fact that, you know, people are going to ask you those hard questions. People may look at you differently. So kind of, you know, taking that and building your own confidence from it and realizing that, you know, you have, you have to be happy with yourself, proud of yourself. And so I think especially in the past year, um, me and my boyfriend have been really, you know, working on that, of being ourselves in public and not really worrying about what other people think. And since we've done it, we've just, you know, we've seen no issues with it, which has been really great, especially for being in a conservative area. Um, that's been a really awesome experience the past year, kind of growing in my confidence with myself and being able to be more open. Yeah, I agree with Axel on that whole confidence thing because at my school, it's not. I go to a very conservative school, and everything here is known guy girl, guy girl. We're known for having the most beautiful girls in the country. So walking around holding a guy's hand is really different here because it's not normal. It's not something you see. And, like, whenever I would go visit Axel and Chapman, he it felt like there was more accepting. But here at my school, I was like, that's why it was so hard for me to accept myself in the later part of this whole coming out process. It was mainly because my school wasn't this, very open-minded campus, but now that I'm out, it's it's a process every day. But the people that like really know me here, they don't they don't give a crap. 
Well, what's interesting is you talked about your friendship, and it, it seemed at some level that it was mostly Axel giving Josh support because Axel had come out early. Josh had yeah. some really difficult things to deal with when you were a kid, and, and I, I'm I'm so glad you wrote about that. I know we went back and forth about whether we wanted in the story, and you insisted to be in there. Uh, but then, Axel, you talked about how Josh sort of inspired you because with his group, he was himself and you even had trouble being yourself with people close to you. Could you talk about that dynamic of the friendship you guys have and, and kind of what you, you each, each take turns of telling what the other kind of means to him? Axel, you go. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, even though I was out and Josh wasn't, I always kind of laughed because it seemed like on from my end of things, I always saw Josh as a more confident one. I would He always would go traveling to all these cool places with guys and just be totally, like, open and go clubbing in L.A. And those were always things I was like, wow, like, I couldn't even see myself going to West Hollywood. Um, and I was just, like, kind of jealous of that just because, you know, he had the confidence to go out and do that. And so, you know, always seeing that. And Josh would always text me and be like, you need to come out with us or – you need to do this. And I would just be like, oh, like, I'm fine. I'm just going to hang back tonight. Um, so it was kind of funny just because, you know, I was the one that was kind of more secure myself, you know, with my area, but not really expanding that. Um, oh, I mean, it's, it's our relationship's really cool just because no matter how long of a time, like sometimes we'll go a few months without even talking to each other. And then I'll, one of us will randomly text or call each other and be like, hey, what's going on? And we'll just pick up right where we left off. Or every summer we always reconnect if we can. Um, usually Josh is the one that comes visits me because um, his family is back here. I haven't gone out to visit him yet, um, but it's just been really cool. You know, we started off just becoming friends through social media, and then it became an even stronger friendship. That you know, three years later, um, I call him my best friend. We joke about being best man um, in each other's weddings. So yep. it's been oh, a really awesome dynamic. Good, <laughs> Josh. But yeah. Like, um, I was saying with Axel, we don't joke about that. He's going to be my my best man, which he likes to run off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but with like Axel and the whole how I would travel and go out with all the guys, that was really tough on me too because I would see Axel. He would he was out. He had a boyfriend. He had all the things. Yeah, he didn't go clubbing and he didn't go out to West Hollywood and whatnot. But for me, when I would travel, it was kind of like. I was running away from my problems. I would fly to New York and go hang out with my friends who knew me out there as gay, but nobody back home did. So then when I would fly back to Tucson, it would be like jump right back into being straight Josh. And playing that game with myself was really tough. So Axel would know I would always get all set and sad whenever I came back home and wish I was like him. But then when I was out and doing my own little thing, Axel was wishing he was clubbing with us too. It's funny. Our relationship is we're like yin and yang, but we're the perfect balance for each other. That that is interesting. It's something that, that I you know, last year we had um this out sports reunion in Chicago and we're doing it again in Denver this year and uh, a lot of athletes came from around the country to Chicago, met about a hundred different LGBT people in sports, had an amazing weekend in Boys Town and marching in the parade and getting to know each other. And then they had to leave this in this paradise, this, this this gay paradise with all these other LGBT in sports. They had to go back home, and and a lot of them experienced this kind of loss or depression. That wow, I mean, 
life was so amazing for those few days, and now I have to go back to this. And I imagine yeah, that's that, what you felt. Yeah, that was tough. It was like you, you get the idea of what it's like to be free and be yourself, but then you get taken back, and you can't, and that was tough. Well, next time you're in West Hollywood, let me know. I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'll show you the ropes. Oh, <laughs> gladly. I love you. Know, it's so fun. <laughs> and actually, you got to come up too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like a 40 minute drive. <laughs> Actual, that's nothing. <laughs> exactly, it's nothing. You live in Southern California. Get over it. I know. Oh, wow. I'm so close. <laughs> I do want to ask you one thing about both of you mentioned the same thing in your little segments about yourselves, about the whole speedo and sort of image in your high schools that swimming was the quote-unquote gay sports. Can you talk about that whole dynamic? Because in other parts of the world, guys wear speedos, gay, straight, whatever, but it seems in the U.S. speedos are considered the, the gay thing, and then swimming is considered the gay sport. And yet it's a sport that had someone like Michael Phelps who's won, you know, a gazillion medals. And, you know, what, what is it about swimming and the whole Speedo thing? Do you think if everyone swam in, you know, in board shorts, it would be different? Yeah, I think it's the revealing aspect of the Speedo and being around 20 guys in the locker room. And maybe, who knows, like your ass is showing, your pubes are showing, but the football players don't understand that and that that's our uniform. And where I went to high school in Corona, um, my one high school was in the conservative part of Corona. So they didn't really see that as, like, a proper uniform. They thought I needed to be fully covered, and they thought it was just too risky. Max, what about your school? Yeah, I mean... Swimming was a huge sport at my school. We were actually our largest team, and we consistently would win every year. So it was definitely a well-respected sport. Um, but, I mean, kind of going off what Josh said, it's just it's something that makes people just in the U.S. uncomfortable because they're not used to it. Um, like in Europe, everyone wears Speedo, so it's just something they're more comfortable with. But I think when you add, you know, that aspect of making other people uncomfortable because you're wearing very limited clothing, and then you put a bunch of guys, together, they just kind of make that assumption because they don't know what else to kind of take of it. And because, like, swimmers, we spend so much time with each other that we all get this really close bond, like me and Axel did. So they don't see, I mean, some teams see each other as teammates, but when you, I mean, all the swimmers I know, their teammates are also their best friends. Swimmers, water polo players, we do everything together because we all have that hardcore random morning practice, three-hour afternoon practices that nobody else gets. So we our schedules all go with each other, and we just get stuck with each other. And sometimes they see that as, like, we're too close as a team, and it can be gay and whatnot. Right, so I'd love to hear, hear from you. You go to a, a school affiliated with a church, and... Uh... Uh, are, are there any ever any issues with the church vis-a-vis your school? And, and I know you also, you know, you, you grew up religious, dealing with this kind of thing. Is, is Chapman a quote-unquote religious school? Um, so there's actually a funny question because I get that a lot on my tours. And I give tours for our missions office. We were founded by Disciples of Christ um, when we were first founded 160 years ago. Uh, but we actually loosened our affiliation with them. 
So we do have an interfaith center on campus, and so basically what that space is, it's for, over, it's for any religion to use it for their practices. So currently we have 20 different religions on campus that practice. Um, and so because of that, it creates a really nice environment because there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of discussion between not only different cultures and religions, but also between different sexualities. Um, we recently were ranked one of the top 10 most open campuses just when it comes to different ideas, different thought processes, different people. Um, so it's been a really awesome we do have a large percent of students that are out here and very proud to be out. Um, we have a really strong um, LGBT um, club on campus. We have a really awesome society that is partnered with about 10 um, LGBT students and then 10 faculty that meet, um, I think, once a month, you know, see ways they can improve campus. So it's really cool to go from my last university, which was um, on the East Coast and was very Augustinian, which is Catholic, to going to Chapman, which is, you know, a lot more accepting, a lot more open, and has a lot of different programs and initiatives for students that, you know, are going through the process of coming out or, you know, struggling with their identity. Well, I don't know, Axel, if you have a job lined up, I think Chapman needs to hire you as their PR guy. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very impressive spiel. I think I want to go enroll. Yeah, it's definitely a great and Josh, job. You talk about, uh, Josh, you go to a, you go to a big, you go to a Pac-12 school, Arizona. What is the yeah. culture there like for LGBT people? It's not very out there. I don't know very many open people at my school. My, like Arizona, we're known for our basketball team, and we have some of the top sororities in the nation. Like <laughs> people come, people come to the school because they want to be in our Greek life, and they want that beautiful girls and beautiful guys scene. So it's not very welcoming to be out, and that's why it was very tough for me because I was like, why light this fire when I don't need to? I only have one more year, but that just that took a toll on me. And sadly, I know a lot of brat guys, well, not a lot, but a few who they refuse to come out because it's not welcoming here in the Greek life. They'll either get dropped or they'll get hazed, and it sucks to, like, hear my friends say that. Wow. It's completely different than, like, Chapman, where you can walk around and be open and be in a frat. That's not heard of here. Well, it's interesting. Arizona's got the first openly gay kind of college football player starting this year uh, as yeah. a freshman. So I think that's kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I did see that. And then um, I know JD, he goes here, or he went here. He swam. I believe he came out. He did a story with you guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, unless you're an athlete, the Greek life or the normal population, I guess you could say, it's not very friendly or welcoming yet. Yeah. Well, have you since the article came out in the last you know couple of days been able to connect with some other uh, gay athletes uh, in swimming or or elsewhere? Um, yeah, around the country and like back home, a lot of people from my club team they reached out and they're telling how this story kind of it's gonna all these stories on the website they're creating a path to make it a lot easier to where people don't have to end up coming out anymore. It shouldn't have to be a story. It should just be a norm and you should be able to do it on your own and not have to 
go out of your way to tell everybody. Wait, but we want stories. That's how we stay in business. Don't tell them that. <laughs> hey, no, I didn't say that. They were telling me that we were staying in <laughs> I'm teasing. Well, we're not, you know, we're not there yet. There is the assumption that every single person is straight, and I think that's why the coming out stories are so important. Until yeah. until that assumption just is 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 dropped, and people stop assuming that everyone out around them is straight, um, and start and start assuming that everyone could be bi or gay or something else. I think that's when the that's when the stories will stop being important. But uh, you know, I I, yeah. I I think I'll be dead before that happens. Yeah, me too, probably. Yeah, I mean, hey, I wouldn't mind though if we all assumed everybody was gay. That'd be easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. Well, I want to thank you guys for being on with this. Uh, it's a great story, and it really it it shows you the value of how important it is to have a friend or someone you can really talk to about your issues, whether it's coming out or anything else. And, Josh, I think uh, you said you're going to be coming to Denver, and, Axel, you hope to make it, so we hope to meet you guys uh, in less than two months. Yes, I will be there. Yeah, I'm I love that you're from, so, so, you're from SoCal, and we have to go to Denver to meet you. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've been in school in two, wait, three weeks, so maybe us four, we all can meet up and go get, like, a lunch or something like that in West Hollywood because Axel never been up there. He's a little baby when it comes to that. Area. I'll tell you what. We'll get we'll get you <laughs> up here for a Sunday fun day. We'll go to Tortilla Republic and, and get a burrito. Oh, I love uh, and, then, and then and then we'll hit a bar or two. Jim isn't much for bars, but we'll drag him out anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll go along. I'll be I'll be, I'll be Axel's wingman on that. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. Well, great. Well, well, listen, thanks both you guys for joining us. And again, thanks so much for reaching out and telling the story. You made a difference uh, for a lot of people. Thank you, guys, for letting us talk. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, talk to you later. Thanks, Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Jim, when was the last time you were at a bar in West Hollywood? Oh, one of the football fundraisers probably a year ago. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, doesn't, all right. that doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, doesn't well, you quite s- count. Yeah, you said you. Yeah, well, yeah. They're they're they'll be here after their their school ends. So yeah, set it up, and I'll I'll definitely go along. So, um, anyway, I just think it was a good story. I think everybody needs friends and pe- needs people to talk to. Um, Want to hit on a couple quick things uh, in the time we have left. We po- we kind of wrote a couple stories this week. Uh, you wrote about you know the idea of of the the use of the word you know fag in a locker room and how it's not necessarily meant homophobic. And it sort of tied in with something that I wrote today, which was it is a, it's been a year since any you know major pro team athlete uh, you know uttered a gay slur on the field and was sort of fined for it, which is a bit of a mark. I didn't do a lot of history, but those things had happened fairly frequently. And so, so clearly, language has changed, and our relationship to the language has changed. Would you agree? Absolutely, and and I think that the last one that happened, Andrew Shaw being suspended, you know, talking to Patrick Burke a while back, he said when when the NHL suspended Andrew Shaw for a playoff game because he screamed uh, a gay slur um, uh, on the ice or penalty box, whatever it was, he said, athletes, that grabbed people's attention. And this this is why we've advocated for suspensions for this language all along. Or that they intended to be anti-gay, that that's how it's received. 
And the only way you're going to get through to athletes is you start taking away games. And when the NHL took away a playoff game, that spoke volumes to athletes. Yeah, and I think the same in the NFL, it's a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. In baseball, uh, I know a suspension could be had. Um, and the, I mean, the NBA, they suspended Rondo for a game when he uh, uttered a slur against Billy Kennedy, the, the the openly gay ref. So I think the leagues are cracking down. And I think the point is that I and I, and I, I wrote my story with a lot of caveats because I knew people were going to say, well, are you claiming that homophobia is dead? No, but language... The way people use language does matter, and those things used to be dismissed. I mean, Michael Jordan years ago called a, a player a flaming faggot, and at the time it was sort of that was Michael's way of toughening this guy up, and it kind of kind of got ignored. Today, that would be that would be huge. He would not get away with it, and that, that a player like that would, even if it was a superstar, would be suspended. So I do think it's a it's a sign of progress, at least that. Things you used to be able to say openly now, you have to say them privately. I saw people's reactions are crazy. Some, a couple of people who said I was, I was uh, blessing the use of gay slurs because they don't yeah, mean. I, it, I mean, I, I, the, my piece said the complete opposite. I just people just don't. They just don't read anymore. I guess. Well, that's just it. People don't read. They they see a headline and they simply then write on Rapata and Twitter, and it's like uh, maybe you want to read the article. I actually took some time to craft. And I actually chose my words carefully, but that's social media in the 21st century. But that's all the time we have for today. Um, I'll be in Minneapolis next week, but I'll be on the podcast with Sid, and we'll talk to you next week.